It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Feckin' Check-In, Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Feckin' Check-In. My name is Trainer, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Toomey. How are you doing this evening, Toomey? Wednesday evening. Wednesday. I am very, very good. It's the middle of the week. I played football last night, which was good, but I was silently frustrated for the whole thing. Um, so I'm sort of <laughs> recovering from that. One of those things where you're cursing people under under your, your breath for, for tackling you in a fair manner and you basically <laughs> hate everybody. Sometimes when you play football, you just hate everybody and you get really angry and you keep it inside. <laughs> And then later on, you reflect on it and you say, why was I so angry for the entire match? Um, mm. And one of the reasons is because you're not as good as you thought you were. <laughs> this, this happens repeatedly. Uh, uh, so I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the things going on for me. How are you, Mr. Trainer? I'm great. Uh, I'm enjoying these football updates, actually. Maybe we could make this a regular feature. <laughs> <laughs> My football liaisons with older men. Because <laughs> you think you're faster than them, you think you have the fitness, but you don't. Because these are the, these like fifty five year olds who like do triathlons and stuff, and they mm. make you feel worse about yourself. Um, yeah, there's someone in your thirties. Um, okay, yeah, no, um, that's that's interesting though. So you went, was do you remember we on an old episode you talked about watching football made you angry as well, and you were yeah. like you you watch it and afterwards you're angry and you're like that didn't benefit me in any way. Um, yes. How like uh, is it frequent? You'd get the same level of anger from playing football, or is that like an irregular occurrence? It's sometimes it's related. If if you win when you're playing football and you score a few goals, you feel great and you feel on top of the world and you think you're the best player ever. And then you replay the goals that you scored in your head. But conversely, if you don't play well and you miss loads of goals, then you just get frustrated and you start getting angry towards the end of the football. Like you don't shout at people, but you're full of rage and how do you get how do you get that rage out you don't <laughs> you just shake everyone's or you don't shake their hands now but you just say well, good game good game and, and then go. you go home with and the rage or does it, rage. does it leave you it, it takes a while to leave you so I'm would driving. you go home in a pisser now to um <laughs> to Liz <laughs> well I, I sort of wind out of the car on the way home and I tell myself that it doesn't matter and I lost my temper and it's okay and that type of thing. How was the festival at the weekend? The listener wants to know, Mr. Trainer. You were away in Germany at a heavy metal festival. I was. My first concerts, or my first concert, I suppose. It was two days, but uh, since March 2020. So it was great to be back at a festival with people, with no restrictions, really. We just had to have a negative antigen test each day or a negative PCR test in advance for the two days. I went for the latter. And... Um, it was it was brilliant. It was a traditional heavy metal festival. Lots of older bands, but also newer bands who play a kind of traditional style of heavy metal. And it was in Würzburg in Germany. Würzburg. And for your listeners over on Fecken Metal, uh, who was the best performer or band at this festival? 
My favourite band of the weekend was a Swedish band called Nestor. They were playing their first ever show outside of Sweden. Uh, they, I think they have a bit of a fabricated backstory because they only have one album out, but they claim to have been formed in 1989 when they were in their teens. I looked this up on the internet. I don't think it's real. Uh, like I'll, <laughs> I've only ever heard of them recently, but they're very much a throwback 80s style of music like Journey or Def Leppard or something like that. But I heard af- people afterwards, they were like, yeah, they were all right. Yeah, they were okay. But I, I saw, I was right up the front and I saw everybody react to them and they got the best reaction of the entire festival, uh, in my opinion. Um, but they were brilliant. And then there's a German band called Blind Guardian who were brilliant. They, they've played the last, uh, they were on last on the second night. So they were the final headliner, if you will. I will. Um, you will. will. Yeah, so it was really good to be back and loads of crack outside drinking pints and all that stuff that I've missed. Uh, I've missed massively. One one small anecdote about the name of the place it was on. Uh, we were on the train and um, there was loads of lads wearing black hoodies and band t-shirts as as you'd like as there would be. And I was with the guy, uh, a, a lad I know from Dublin. He's an Estonian guy, but he met lots of people he knew on the train, and we were just chatting to them and everything. But there was these two like businessmen, kind of German men on the train as well. And I was like, I'm sorry, is there a heavy metal meeting on somewhere today? <laughs> and uh, I was like, uh, yeah. Um, and they're like, where where is it on? I was like, I was like, it's in Würzburg. <laughs> He's like, sorry, where? And I was like. Uh, Wurzburg <laughs> and, and he was like kept asking me and then I was like oh shit Visa I was like Wurzburg and I, I couldn't get it out and then some, one of the other people just went Wurzburg I was like oh Wurzburg oh. <laughs> I'm picturing him as an old man with a grey beard yeah and glasses. he was that's exactly what he was <laughs> he's wearing a shirt and slacks very um, good and yeah the fact that they said heavy metal meeting I thought was very funny as well like I said we're going to a meeting heavy metal meeting in Wurzburg um, yeah, but it was good. Excellent. And this is the Feckin' Check-In. This is the podcast about funny observations, entertainment, culture, and kernels of truth, and trainer. For the first time in two to three weeks, I can't remember, will you, <laughs> will you <laughs> lead us out for your funny observation of the last two to three weeks? <laughs> Uh, I think it's about three weeks now. Uh, look, we tried to do two, but you know, sometimes at least we're two, doing it. Sometimes it'll be three. It doesn't at happen. least we're not doing it every three months. I think is is probably the best part. Correct. Uh, it's it's the best people can ask for. Frankly, Correct. Um, frankly, Mister Shankly, I have a point about. Um, it's disgusting. I'm gonna be upfront <laughs> about it. It's disgusting. <laughs> And it doesn't make me look good in any way, and it reflects badly on me as a person. But it, I think it's also funny, and I think it's a funny observation. It's so, a funny observation of the last two or three weeks. Go ahead. Exactly. So when I was um, experimenting with wearing shorts, really for the first time in my life in the summer, um, I realized that when I went to urinals um, in, t- in public places like in a, in a pub or in uh, McDonald's or something, that uh, when I was going... F- for a piss at the urinal there'd be a, a certain amount of splashback and it would get on my bare legs uh, that were exposed from the fact that they were wearing shorts and each time I'd be like oh jeez oh, and then I just kind of I'd go I'd wash my hands and I wouldn't really wouldn't get rid of it or anything and I'd just leave the toilet and forget about it and then the next time I went to a toilet I thought I was wearing shorts it would happen again I was like oh, oh Jesus oh, oh god and I would kind of just move on with my life and just kind of forget about it and uh I realized then that this actually happens when you're not wearing shorts because, of course, it must happen. But mm. the only thing is you don't notice it because you're wearing jeans or long trousers. And mm. um, 
you don't have the the uh, uh, uh moment when you're wearing a pair of jeans because while it's happening to you, you don't notice it. And I think basically it's happening all the time. It's been happening for years. And I want the people who've worn shorts to explain themselves to me. Uh, is this is this a secret short society thing that has been going on for years and nobody talks about? Because it can't have just been an isolated incident to me. Because I was in various different places with various different urinals. Some of them were the long metallic troughs. Some of them were uh, the standalone personal urinals. It happened at all of them. And I'm not say- saying I have a particularly strong stream. I have a medium strength stream. Um, I don't have a weak stream, but I don't have like a, I'm not like a horse. And um, it's, uh, it must have been going <laughs> Thank on. Thank you for that. Thank you for, for clarifying. <laughs> it must have been going on for millennia. Uh, and well no shorts aren't around for millennia I just kind of wanted to say that it must have been going on for decades and um, and nobody talks about it and I've never even heard a stand-up c- comedian do a routine about it um, and oh, then the fact you know it, you can't wait to the toilet it's just back on your legs exactly um, yeah. so yeah it must have been happening and like do people how do you deal with it people do you just kind of get disgusted by it but go well it's my own urine so it's probably not that bad or do you clean yourself off? I've never seen anyone clean themselves off in a man's toilet. I'm talking about cleaning off their legs. And realistically, if you really wanted to clean it, you'd have to be using soap as well. I've never once seen a man wearing shorts in a male toilet walk away from the urinal and soap down his legs <laughs> that had been exposed by the fact that he was wearing shorts. Have you? No, I've never seen that. No, so, you're, no so I know you're listening to me and judging me, listener, but you're no better than me because you don't fucking clean yourself up afterwards either um so let's just lift the lid on that it's about time everybody's doing it and just and you're doing it when you're wearing trousers as well it's just that you don't feel the actual splash yeah um yeah the trousers thing is interesting as well because the trousers are uh, if you wear the same trousers into work say and you're in the office every day and you go to the work urinal then your work trousers by the end of it end of the week are absolutely soaked in piss covered in piss and puss. <laughs> Sorry, I, I enjoy saying piss in a weird way. Puss. Um, I don't. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so, a couple of comments, uh, additional comments. Uh, urinal is a nice word. It's a satisfying <laughs> word to say. Um, it's slightly amusing to say the word urinal. I've, I have another toilet-based uh, observation to add in yeah. fact i have two okay um i go to the toilet and work this is a very quick one go into the toilet and work and uh, obviously shut the door behind me <laughs> and you know those signs you see on the toilet uh, on the back of like behind the toilet please wash your hands uh, or whatever uh, there's yeah. a, there's one that says please flush the toilet after each use and then someone had gone in with their pen and taken the time to write beside that. This is a terrible waste of water. So, what? Yes, a terrible waste of water, exclamation mark. I mean, I just think it's funny that someone took the time to go and get a pen. Yeah. And to just lean over the toilet and write in pen. This is a terrible waste of water. But do you think people were taking the piss when they wrote that? Or do you think it's some kind of hippie? Uh, non-flusher that, that doesn't think we should be flushing <laughs> well, each time we use well I've heard this before some environmentalists say that we shouldn't flush the toilet after doing a puss <laughs> <laughs> um, okay but like again you come in like if you if you if you don't flush the toilet in your own house after doing a puss 
<laughs> you're you're pissing into your own piss, and yes. you're gonna get splashback. And someone like if you're pissing into someone else's piss, then pissing into someone else's piss is just it's that's so, so. Do these people like let's say if somebody else pisses in the toilet and there's a pool of urine in yeah. the bottom of the bowl <laughs> and it's all yellow, do they want yeah. us to piss on top of that? Or get even splashback. Worse, or even worse, go in and do a shit. <laughs> Shit on someone's piss. <laughs> it seems wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> it is wrong. For for like for decades, when I go in to do a shit in my own toilet or anywhere else, I, I fill the bowl with toilet paper. Yeah, that's probably bad for the environment as well. Because I don't even want the splashback from the water going anywhere near me. Yes. Uh, but uh, this is very, quite vulgar, to be honest. Apologies. But... It's it's almost as if you can't have any opinion on anything these days. There's always a counter opinion, and it, technically, you could argue that the person who wrote that it's a terrible waste of water is is telling the truth. Uh, mm. But they're not taking into account that you're balancing that against maybe human hygiene. disgust and and hygiene. Yeah. Yes. Um, just a, a final toilet uh, observation as well. Uh, sure. Why I, not? Wasn't, wasn't planning this one. I was actually I was sitting on <laughs> on the toilet uh, today. Uh, doing a number two yeah. and this often happens in work um or you've probably in different experience situations experienced this as well it's you go into the toilet let's say and it's clearly locked so the person on the outside has the oh sign, yeah the, what the red or yeah. closed or whatever mm. the sign is mm-hmm. and so they come in they see that and then they do the thing with the handle anyway they try and break <laughs> in anyway <laughs> And then the one I got today, which was even more disturbing, it was like a gentle pull. <laughs> it was like a little gentle one. It was like, and it was so creepy because like I didn't hear this person's like footsteps. Yeah. So they were obviously trying to say like I'm going to try and break in without the person noticing, or I wanted to see if it opens without the person noticing. Yeah. And it just freaks you out when you're on the toilet. It it yeah. panic comes to your your head that someone's going to come in. Yeah. Why, why anyone goes near it when it has the red bar on it, or when it has um occupied yeah. on the little wheel turn and like it's mad and like i used to notice this was a favorite of people you get the the single handle push and then you get three in quick succession to see if it's actually closed yeah it's like duh, duh, duh. it's like it's like an angry kind of like i'll show you who's closed yeah. and uh, firstly it says it is secondly the first time you tried it it is so you don't even trust you yeah. don't trust the red thing and you don't trust yourself. So you have to try it three more times before you're satisfied and you, you have serious trust issues. Yeah. And the pooer on the toilet is, is like, I, I'm panicking just for those few <laughs> seconds because it's just, it's not pleasant. No, and it's it not. Disrupts my rhythm not to go into it like yeah. too much. But um, yeah. you're trying to, you're trying to come up with something you might say then if they did get in. <laughs> yeah. You're getting ready for a fight or flight kind of confrontation type of situation. Um, but the other thing is that toilet sometimes is a place of reflection in work. It's a place where some people would go to chill out for a few minutes because it's the only place where you get to be locked in away from people where people aren't going to bump into you and you have to make small talk. Um, so it's disturbing when that's disturbed by these freaks who don't accept that it's closed or occupied. All right, so that's enough talk about piss and shit. Let's move on with the feckin' check-in. Uh, we're going to move on to E for entertainment. And uh, 
this was one that I had. It's to do with podcasts and podcasting. And if you haven't turned off the podcast already due to all that <laughs> vulgarity, you might turn it off now if you're a podcaster because this might offend you if this is how you go about your social this, media business. This is the podcast that we're going to alienate everybody. It's, it's great. The few remaining listeners we have left, we may alienate because let's face it, most of them are other podcasters. Um, yes. So this one is called no sorry this one is uh, entitled this one is about follow friday the concept on twitter and i don't particularly like this concept because i feel that it's a hollow and empty gesture and people do it and they will tag 10 podcasts that they like and they'll say it's follow friday guys why don't you follow these 10 podcasts and it's kind of seen as being a generous and thoughtful um, move on the on behalf of the person who's done it but realistically it just gets you embroiled in a lengthy conversation on twitter where there's a million responses but all these people putting up gifs and images of how happy they are <laughs> usually some type of thing from anchorman or something like that and it's everyone thanking everybody back and then people responding by doing another 10 podcasts and saying oh no you need to follow these people and all it leads to actually is if the people do take you up or take up the post originator on following it just leads to empty followers that you will never interact with and who will just ignore your posts and you'll ignore their posts if you end up following them. And we have experience of this with the Feck and Check-In Twitter account. Um, and I have some experience of it as well with people who definitely follow me in order that I'll follow them back. And when I don't, they unfollow me. And I just think it's a fucking stupid way to go about your business on Twitter because you don't want empty followers who don't interact with you and who you won't interact with. It's pointless. Uh, it just makes your news news feed busier. It makes your stats look inflated to a point where it's unrealistic. And it really doesn't it doesn't do anyone any good, except for a kind of an ego massage of like, oh, look how 10 people followed me today because I was featured in Follow Friday. And I, I just think it's completely pointless and empty. And I kind of wish people would stop doing it. Mm. Yeah, it's completely misguided and... It's you're not doing anybody a favor by putting them into like into a tweet alongside 20 other podcasts or whatever the number is. And, yeah, and it is really annoying getting the notifications. And the, I think the people saying thank you aren't actually grateful. I think they think that if I say thank you, that it will make this tweet more popular and give it more energy and more energy will or more attention will be directed to to my podcast. So I think the whole thing is a sham and it's yeah. nonsense. It's a complete sham, and it gives off the impression of uh, somebody doing a nice deed, and then the thanking gives off the impression of gratitude, and it's all about appearance and how everything comes across. And people think, like, if they magically got some attention from a Follow Friday tweet or whatever, that it's going to drastically change their download stats or their podcast's popularity. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. (laughs) It doesn't change a damn thing. I'll give you an example of this, uh, another example. I got a, con- a uh, I got contacted by this person called Rupa Mollick on Twitter uh, a while back. And she explained to me that she's a professional iTunes podcast promoter and social media marketing expert. Mm. She said she wanted to promote my podcast and said she would expose and advertise the podcast for subscribes, downloads, listeners rating uh if you want to be a great podcaster this is what she said quote if you want to be a great podcaster just try my service so immediately you can you can notice that she equates greatness with stats uh, not the quality of the 
Yeah, not the yeah. quality of the actual content of the episode. Um, she said, promoting you for a month on social media via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and podcasting, I will. you will receive uh, 80 to 100 plus ratings, five stars in brackets. You will receive huge new subscribers and listeners, 7,000 to 9,000 downloads. Every two days, I'll give you a work update. Huge publicity. Thanks. And I contacted her back, and I was like, how can you guarantee this level of uh, interest in my podcast? Um, I was like, I'm not interested in bots just clicking on the download button. I could do that myself and inflate my podcast stats. And if I wanted to be crafty, I could get a VPN. I could appear like I was in different countries all over the world. And I could uh, I could click on play or download across a whole host of apps across all different countries all over the world. And I could make it look like my podcast is really popular. But it's like I was like, I'm not interested in hollow statistics. Um, and she was like... I have a worldwide big team with a lot of real people, a lot of real people. I will expose your podcast and all real people will subscribes, downloads, listens, <laughs> ratings and huge popularity in your podcast. Thanks. And I said, I don't understand how it works, though. I'm not interested in a team downloading episodes and giving me ratings just to increase numbers. I'm only interested in legitimate organic growth. And then I said, what is the name of your company? And I said that to her a few times. She kept avoiding the question. Um, and I said, how can you guarantee it will be popular? What if people don't like it? Uh, what did she say? Uh, um, unfounded question. <laughs> <laughs> Move on to work with, with confidence. I was like, it's not unfounded. I was like, frankly, your blind claims are unfounded and bombastic. I've no interest in working with you solely to increase stats. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> A nice, pleasant exchange there. But her whole business model was basically getting people all over the world to click on play or download or subscribe to increase my stats, an inflated stat increase. So 7,000 to 9,000 downloads in a month. Whoop-de-doo, I'd see a nice little spike in the infographic that I get from Podbean. But realistically, none of those people are real people. And it's the same with Follow Friday, to make a very long point there. It's not real. It's uh, it's fake, and it's it's disingenuous, and it's hollow, and it's an empty gesture. And it's uh, just like getting paying somebody to get you a lot of clicks on your podcast because the content, like that's what the, the one thing I said to her, what if people listen to it and don't like it and then expose their whole business business model for what it was? It's, it wasn't people actually listening to it, enjoying it, downloading it, and becoming fans. It was just for statistic purposes. Yeah. Um, it's just for appearances and it's a complete sham. And it's rife actually in podcasting in general where the podcasters will ask people to rate their podcast and give them a five-star rating. So even the popular podcasts do that too. And the whole industry is is rife with that shite. Um, and I'm glad you have no interest in it. I was misguided when we were starting the feck and check and I thought you had to do that stuff and get loads of followers on Twitter and I thought it would make a big difference. But it doesn't because you just ha- you have the numbers of followers, but you have then you end up with like eight hundred followers who don't interact with you or don't listen to your podcast. Exactly, and if you ever see a Twitter account that has eight hundred, a thousand, fifteen thousand followers, and they get two likes on each tweet, it it just gives the whole show away. Like you're just yeah. like there, you have zero percent fucking interaction there on your tweets. What's the point in having this fictitious number of followers when actually they don't care? I'd rather people listened and enjoyed the fucking episodes than having it appear like more people were listening but it was just statistics and bullshit yes and the reality is it's just statistics and bullshit and i think you can sort of well i excuse myself on this in in a in a way because when i was following people when we first had the feckin check in i was thinking that 
if I followed it and shared it around like-minded podcasts and um and kind of similar areas of interest that people would be naturally interested and they go and listen to the feckin check-in but they didn't so yeah but see you can't force it that's what i yeah you can't force it yeah you have to let it grow gradually and organically and you have to actually speak to people and talk to them and comment on their tweets and message them and get to know them and that's the only way you'll grow an interest in my experience in actual like-minded podcasts it's not as easy as just getting a thousand followers and then expecting 300 of them to suddenly be your fan every week yeah exactly and i know you did that sir and i wasn't taking a, a stab at you there i know because no, i know you weren't. neither of us had a fucking clue what we were doing uh, at the start but you learn it quite quickly and then you just kind oh, of yeah. stop and you just go no this is bullshit but like it's 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 the whole business model of it and it's your one annoyed me quite a lot uh, rupa come on she contacted me because she assumed that that's what i wanted and i was just like no i'm not that fucking cheap and pathetic <laughs> that i want you to just get a load of people to click and the last thing she said to me was um what did she say Oh, if you want, you can pay half before work and half after work. And I just said, I have no interest in paying you anything. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, it's so shady, isn't it? Half of what? So yeah. I could do what you're doing for fucking nothing. I could, as I said, I could subscribe to a VPN, pretend I'm in fucking um, the Central African Republic. That's a pointless answer. Usually I'm pointless. Click on it from there. Click on it from Israel. Click on it from the fucking Isle of Wight and pretend people are listening. But what? There's probably like, a program that automates that as well. There probably is. There's probably some yeah. dirt cheap or free software that probably fucking automates that as well. But like, what value is it that is that to me when I know deep down in my heart that no one has actually fucking listened to it in the Isle of Wight yet? Yes. And it's only for people who want to trick somebody into thinking their podcast is more popular maybe to attract sponsors or to get better guests on your podcast but if you want to do that through lies i think it's going to be pretty easy to see through that it'll catch up with you eventually because you won't have the same consistency across all your platforms for example facebook or twitter or like you could look you could make it look like you had fifteen thousand followers but if you've no engagement on your tweets if there's not back and forth between you and other people regularly it'll, it'll expose itself eventually and people will be able to see through it you, you'll have like fraudulently inflated your statistics and now you'll have been caught out also doing that which is like yeah. makes it twice as bad and uh maybe to finish on this topic it goes, brings us back to our old friend, Dennis Blair. Trainer, I'll let you do the honours. <laughs> if you're doing it, just stop it. All right, so that's enough of that. We're going to move on with the feckin' check-in. This is C for culture. Uh, and again, this one is me. Also, al- although... This one isn't me going on a rant, you'll probably be glad to learn. Um, It's me talking about an interaction I had with a woman who was essentially a beggar on (laughs) Mary Street um, in Dublin, a well-known street in Dublin. Uh, And she wanted to... Initially, I thought she was asking me for money. So I'll just set the scene here. I was walking up the street. I was going to walk into a shopping centre. And uh, she came up to me and she had a child with her. I'd say she was in her mid-30s. And... um, she didn't look poor or homeless. Uh, she looked very well, and her child was wearing nice clothes as well. The child was probably a, a, like a young teenager, and um, she came up, and I thought she was going to ask me for money, and I usually have my re- response prepared, which is, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash on me, and if they ask again, I say, I don't carry cash at all. And 99% of the time, that is the 100% truth, I don't. I use my phone to tap 
or else I use my card. I don't yeah. carry any cash. I haven't done for years unless it's an absolute necessity. Um, so also I kind of often find that I might give the person some money if I did have it, but I don't want to feel that I'm in danger of being mugged or attacked or anything like that. And let's be honest, certain people who approach you, it couldn't be anywhere in the world, it doesn't have to be in Dublin City, they look intimidating and they look like they might turn on you if you linger for too long with the interaction. Mm. Um, so I just like to kind of walk by. Some in Sometimes in the past I've given homeless people money, but most of the time I don't. I just say I don't have any money on me and I walk by. Um, now, this person, this woman came up to me and said, Hi, I'm not looking for money. And I went, right, it's going to be one of these stories about something and blah. And it'll eventually lead to we're looking for money. Um, but she goes, I'm not I'm not looking for money. I'm staying in a hostel in Smithfield. And I was like, right, this is quite detailed. Uh, mm. And I, I just need food for a few days. I have no food for me and my daughter. Oh. And I went, okay. And she went, uh, now, uh, I don't have a PPS number yet. I've been here for three weeks and I can't get a job. And I was like, right. Um, then I asked her where she was from, and she said, "Fuck, I can't remember." Um, but it was it wasn't um, a country that you would have a lot of um, immigrants from in Ireland. Um, but it sounded like somewhere that I'd heard about recently that was war torn. But I can't remember what country it was actually. Sorry. Okay. Um, and I just went, "All right." And I just went, "Look, what do you need?" And she went, uh, "I just need maybe a few days worth of food, some vegetables, some meat." Um, and by this time, I decided I was going to buy it for her uh, because, uh, one, I believed her, two, I didn't feel intimidated, and three, I didn't have the excuse of not having any cash on me because <laughs> I was like, what What would you like me to do? And she goes, if you could come in with me to Tesco and we'll go and just do a small bit of shopping. Um, and she's like, I just don't have any food to feed my daughter. And I was like, all right. And I believed her, so I was like, right, come on, let's do it. Um, so we went into Tesco, and as we were walking in, she's like, yeah, just maybe two two bags of food. Uh, and I was like, two bags of food now, is it? <laughs> and we, we walked in, I was like, right, okay. I, I, I thought she was honest, and I also thought that like, food was kind of non-transferable. She couldn't sell this on the street to somebody else yeah. and take the money. No, so I thought it was a legitimate thing. Like, there's, there's, Who's going to have any interest in a bag of onions or some chicken fillets that are raw? Um, so she walked in, and I just stalled it at the tills. I don't know if you know the Tesco in Jervis Street Shopping Centre, but um, it's uh, down the escalator. Tills are right there when you get in, and then the rest of the supermarket is back away um okay. so i was hanging out the tills i was like i just said look i'll just wait here you go get what you need and then you can come back to me and i'll pay for it um because i didn't want to be following around the shop because i thought that would just be weird and mm. uh she was like no 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 i'd like you to come with me because i'm afraid if you don't that you will leave and i just went okay all right okay i'll come with you um and then the first section in the shop is the the vegetables and bread so the the lady herself started throwing in things like onions tomatoes um carrots all sorts of normal reasonable stuff cheap stuff as well and i was like mm. right this is going to be fine <laughs> this then, is going um, fine this weird this situation is going <laughs> fine so far <laughs> i'm not too financially put out here and then uh, the girl the the child took up this pack of kind of fancy uh, pastries that were three fifty, and she took two packs of them and threw them in the basket. Jeez. I was like, "Fuck! I'm seven euro down here just on two packs of, let's be honest, luxury items." Um, you know, and I was like, yeah. "Right, don't be such a cunt. Like, just let her get the food that she needs." And uh, she was walking around, and um, she then picked up like a one point seven five liter of innocent orange juice. So you know, innocent the company, like the fancy kind of premium yeah. company that makes smoothies. smoothies. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Well, this was a 1.75 litre bottle of innocent orange juice, which is even more expensive than a 1.75 litre of Tropicana. And I just went, I'm sorry, look, I don't think we need this. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're becoming now the the father in the in the family. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." I was like, "Look, if you need, if you want to get orange juice, like, could you get the Tesco own brand orange juice? It's like three euro cheaper." And she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, okay, yes, okay." And this was a Halloween night, I should say. It was the 31st of October, and uh, the child then picked up a multi-pack packet of Maltesers, fun size. And I just went, look, I don't think you need the Maltesers either. <laughs> <laughs> and the child went to half-heartedly put them back where she got them. Because I thought she was just going shopping for essentials, like which yeah. I thought was fair. Yeah, she, the child went to half-heartedly go and put the Maltesers back. And then she didn't. She made a gesture to put them back, but she kind of mimed putting them back and then kept them in her hand. Oh. And I was like, oh, I'll just leave her. And then I was like, that's oh, fucking Halloween. Maybe she just wants to feel some kind of normality or something and I just I just let it go and then the woman like I knew she was obviously going to buy some meat so I was like fine and she goes she goes I'll just if you stay here I'll just go get a few things in this aisle it was a meat aisle and when she went up the meat aisle it was like she's on supermarket sweep (laughs) (laughs) she just started filling the basket with meat and it was like packets of chicken fillets packets of pork chops sausages pieces of bacon um and I was like, oh my god! And then I just, I just resigned myself to the fact that I was like, I'm going to lose fifty euro here, um, yeah, on this. And I was like, you're screwed. Yeah, but I, I was also thinking, this she looks desperate, and this looks completely legitimate. And the, like the the, the you know, it must be such a hit to your pride to have to come to another country and then with your child in arm go up to somebody on the street and ask them to buy your shopping for you. So I was kind of trying to keep that in mind. When she okay. was when she was on supermarket sweep, You're showing compassion. <laughs> yes, yeah. and uh, she came back anyway, and the uh, the basket was full, <clears throat> overflowing full, and uh, I said, right, look, I think that's probably enough. Uh, you have a basket full of food there that should last you a good while, and she was like, yes, okay, okay, thank you, thank you, God bless you, God bless you, and as we were walking towards the tills, she was like, do you have a PPS number? And I was like, yeah, and she's like, oh, and how did you find it difficult to get one? And I just went. No, I'm Irish. And it was something that never even occurred to me, not having a PPS number. Um, For any Americans listening, that's like your social security number um, or other equivalent in other countries. And then it started to dawn on me even more. I was like, Jesus Christ, this woman is like, obviously has an extremely difficult life. And I was like, Losing, I was getting ratty over a pack of Maltesers. Like, mm. What fucking difference is the extra three euro for the Maltesers going to make to me? And what difference might it make to the child who will probably have a treat for maybe the first time in weeks? Um, so I was getting up to the till anyway. And then she was like, do you have a job? I was like, yes, I do. Yeah. And she's like, is it difficult? And I went, no, not, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then she was like... Um, and she's like, I, I have um I have a CV, but I don't really have any experience. And I was like, and she's like, I don't have an address. And I actually went, you don't need to put your address on your CV these days. They can't ask for it anymore. And she's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, they can't ask for your address, your date of birth on your CV anymore. And she's like, all oh, right, OK. And I was like, so don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. You're staying in the hostel. And then I started giving her advice. Wow. And, uh, um. And uh, she kept saying, God bless you, God bless you. And um, and she's like, what do you do for your job? And I was like, oh, I work in IT. And she didn't know what that meant. And I was like, I work with computers. She's like, oh, okay. She's like, the only thing I think I could do is work in a bar. And I was like, well, look, the bars are, are looking for staff. So I was like, don't worry about the address thing anyway. You know, you, you, you should be okay. And we got to the tail anyway. It ended up being 61 euro. And uh, I just 
I just paid with my card mm. and I, and she had the bags in her hand and we went up the escalator down and walked out and um she was like thank you very much and I was like don't worry about it you're welcome um and then I left her wow <laughs> yeah wow well fair play to you for being so kind to her and um helping her that's very nice of you to do that yes but I, I will also say like the way she did it, I didn't really have a choice either. So I'm not looking for kind of plaudits on being generous. I felt she approached it very well and she knew I would probably go along with it. Um, and I'm not saying that that was like sneaky or underhanded. She was obviously a woman in a desperate situation. But I'd say very few people mid shop would turn around and go, oh, no, fuck this. <laughs> mm. You're not getting that. <laughs> I'm not paying for I'm not paying for that at that price. Did you- <laughs> Did you did you get the impression that she'd done this before? I that's a good question. Um, she was so quick when she was in there. I think, and I think she was so quick because it. I think she thought if she browsed a bit or like looked like she was slowing down, that I might change my mind. So she was firing stuff into the basket. She wasn't even really looking at it. In fairness, like she was just mm. firing stuff in. I don't know if she'd ever done it before. I don't think she has because it would be such a long con kind of strange scam to be doing regularly. Um, <laughs> it's like something from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or something like the long con. But, but there is a sort of an element of, of being trapped. It uses like sort of techniques of once you commit to something, then it's hard to get out of it. Like that type of like I if I were you in that situation, I would feel trapped and a bit anxious that the price keeps going up and I don't I want to be generous I want to help but I have no control over the final price I did a small bit feel like that and um, then I then I resigned myself to the fact that it would be 50 euro and then when we got to the tail it was 61 I was like right well it's 11 more than my my limit that I arbitrarily set myself for this mm. woman who is homeless <laughs> um, yeah. so like I, along the way I just kept thinking look this actually, like, if I had no money, if she had come up to me 15 years ago, I wouldn't have done that for her because I wouldn't have been able to afford it. Yeah. And I come from a background, luckily, where I, I could afford to do that. And it wasn't actually a hardship for me to do it. And I think the key thing was that I believed that she was being honest with me. Now, that is something that is just a judgment call. There's mm. absolutely, like, I mean, she could have done that 10 times that day and fed 20 people. Um, but I still think all those people must have been desperate to even come up with such a thing, even if she did do it 20 times. And that mm. was her job, to walk around streets in Dublin and get people to come to supermarkets and part with their money. It still ha- has to be out of a place of desperation rather than um, rather than being a trick or a scam. So I, it, afterwards, I felt mostly good about myself and a small bit conned. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand, I think... In a way, I, I'm in a line of work where um, you help people sometimes and the more help you give them, the, some people are very good at eliciting uh, help from people and they kind of, they, without sounding harsh, they kind of are put themselves in a victim role and they're very good at being in that role. And then you can, as a response to that, you a person, the other person can go, go into a rescuer role where you yeah. start going beyond what you normally would go. So you're, she's sort of, so people, I, I don't want to say this for definite, but some people are very good at, at sort of eliciting that response from, from other people. Um, and it can be quite uncomfortable because you want to be kind, you want to be help, 
helping them. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, is this person screwing me over here? Are they being honest with me? Are they yeah. are, like, are they manipulating me here? And it's a re- I think it's a very interesting case of uh, cognitive dissonance. If, if, I don't know if you're experiencing that, but it seems like there's probably mixed feelings. I had mixed feelings as I was listening to it. Mm. Um, oh no, I don't have a, I don't have a, like a, an overall exact opinion of what happened really or how I feel about it other than it's just what I said in the summary. I felt yeah. mostly good, but small bit bad that I was, I felt a slightly, I did feel slightly hoodwinked into doing it. Mm. Um, and I, and I knew that she knew I was trapped and I knew she knew I knew she knew. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the bit I'm uncomfortable with when like she's deliberately, it seems, testing further boundaries. Like she's saying, right, I'm going for the expensive orange juice and the expensive. Now, again, I think she was in such a rush. Like, I mean, I, do, I couldn't, <laughs> Maybe I, don't think I, I don't think she could have given a fuck about the expensiveness of the orange juice, really. <laughs> um, and then she said, as we were on the way out as well, she's like, I'm sorry, I don't know the Tesco products. Um, and I was like, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. But um, I did feel a small bit hoodwinked as well still. But um, at, towards the end of it, you were giving her life advice and... I don't know. It's really hard because, like, a part of me thinks this is really kind and nice of you to do that. But then the other part of me is like, is she, did she push you too far? And Kosovo is where she was from. Sorry. I was trying to remember where she was from. She's from Kosovo. Yeah. Um, But yeah, sorry. Yeah. um, I know. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was probably a bit of both. But again, I'd say even if it was and it was intentional, it still was born out of desperation. Mm. And she had to do that, I reckon. I don't think she had a choice in the matter. I mean, like there are as afterwards. I thought there's all sorts of things you can do in the city centre. There's a there are tables set up outside the GPO every night where you can get free food. You don't have to give them. Yeah, any I, I, I'm just uncomfortable with the na- like the length of the request as well. Like if I was desperate, if I was her in that situation, I would ask someone for maybe food for that day or something. But it's a yeah. very specific request. Bring me around the shop for a few days worth of food. Yeah, I, I don't know. think I'd ask that. She didn't really ask that initially. She just said, I need some food, some basics, uh, some fruit, yeah. maybe some vegetables. And then as we were walking in, she said, maybe two bags of food. And I noticed it started to change then. And then we got to the fancy breads and she was throwing those in. But then I was thinking that maybe that's a, a an Eastern European snack that they have all the time that costs nothing over there. It was one of those kind of fancy baked cooked like breads. Maybe. Like, in a, in a packet and like maybe it doesn't cost 350 over there maybe it's it's really cheap and i was like i was justifying all sorts of things throughout it, but i don't know the listener can decide what they think well, was, the I, listener, was i yeah, scammed i think you were kind and you were very helpful but maybe also a bit scammed at the same time <laughs> it was when she said i just need food for a few days and i said what do you need and she said if you could just go into tesco and i'll just pick up a few things i actually felt really sorry for her and i was like okay Okay, let's do it. Oh, well, that's interesting the way she said that, isn't it? Because you were saying, what do you need? And mm. the, the response would be like, oh, I need uh, like a bit of meat and pasta or something. Mm. I Which, gave her an open net, really. Yeah, <laughs> she was like, oh, we'll go in and we'll see. Yeah. And we'll take out the basket and then we'll start putting more and more stuff in it. Yeah. And then she did her supermarket sweep. She was supermarket sweep, yeah. building up to that and then she went yeah. for it. So. But uh, I um, And I wasn't even particularly well dressed right now. I was just wearing a pair of Nike runners and some jeans and a band t-shirt. <laughs> like, yeah. like she could have gone for somebody who looked a lot more wealthy than I did. But let's put it that way. Um, mm. So it was, I wonder how many people she had to ask and approach yeah. with that um, in order to, to get a hit. It'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, let's hear what the, the listeners have to say about that. Um, let us know on... Uh, feck and checking at feck and checking excuse me or at feck and metal or yeah. metal feck and metal cast sorry yeah very good yeah. or the gmail that nobody has ever contacted us on yeah well. feck and checking at gmail.com 
And we don't check it as well. <laughs> I, I actually do. I, 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 do. I do get some things um, into it. It's spam, really. Spam. <laughs> yes. Very good. Okay. Well, that was an interesting cultural point. Sorry, the whole thing was that I, I wanted to ask you, sorry, I know we're probably oh. going slightly over, um, <laughs> was how do you deal with people coming up and begging um, in when you're in the city centre in, in Dublin or um, somewhere else? Uh, what's your general approach? Because the, the, the culture is, of begging. Yeah, about the culture of begging, my general approach is to not give anything because if I want to give charity and help out, I want it to be on my own terms. I don't like being caught off guard because I'm aware that most people begging or most people homeless and most people in trouble are okay but there's always going to be that percentage of people who are scammers and so when i am given to charity i prefer to do it through the like official organizations or sometimes i might give it to someone at christmas and sometimes i I block it out i suppose like a lot of people which is not really a good reflection on me but it's trying to be honest (laughs) Good, good, honest summary, okay. Uh, and we're going to move on to the final part of this two to three weeks time period. Checking, fecking, fecking, checking, sorry. Checking, uh, fecking, the checking, fecking show. Uh, and this is K for Kernel of Truth. And this one is about patience. But this was a point that you came up with to me. So why don't you elaborate on your patience, Kernel of Truth? Oh, yes, here we go. And this Kernel of Truth is about patience. Not doctor's patience, it's about P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E, patience. Patience is a virtue, as we all know. And patience, according to Joyce Mayer, who is a spiritual uh, person of some sort, she said that patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. Mm. And I think this is a good... Uh, a good point and the patience is a virtue quote uh, speaks to this as well I I recently was uh, in Dundrum shopping centre with Liz my wife and Mm -hmm. we were transporting heavy boxes from the top floor of a three floor or four floor shopping centre down to the car park because the the lift the elevator goes straight from the the fourth floor down there um, where our car was parked so we had everything like nicely set up the car was parked beside the elevator in the car park uh, level and the shop was upstairs beside the elevator. So we were like loading a few boxes Mm. and I just noticed like as we were going up and down, the amount of times we were stopped by people and the angry faces the people Mm. had as they were waiting for the lift and the panic and people going in and out and people completely losing their shit. People like pressing the up button and the wrong button at the elevators Mm. and we, as we were waiting for the elevators, we saw other people waiting, waiting with us for like a minute or two, and then just running off really angrily. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. can't handle in 2021 elevators that take, they take about one to two minutes sometimes. Yeah. Um, but they save you a lot of time and a lot of effort going around the shop. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just notice that people losing their shit at elevators. Have you had any experience with that or want to comment on anything I said? Yeah, uh, yeah, I have, of course. Um, what bothers me the most is people pressing the button multiple times. Yeah. Uh, maybe I've said this before about something else, but if a button were designed to be pressed more than once, there would be a sign indicating as such beside the button. Because mm. buttons, traditionally, are designed <laughs> to be pressed once, not twice or 15 times or 17 
or nine and you mm. see people just tap 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 what do they think is actually happening there do they mm. think that they've solved the secret to this button and <laughs> it's actually supposed to be pressed 11 times <laughs> at their chosen interval that that makes the lift work uh, yeah better and it shows that they can't handle they can't handle it they're, they've no patience and yeah i think that, covid where it's like only one family or household per per elevator has made everything worse as well people like the dirty looks they give you yeah, 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 I know. And, and you get the same at traffic lights as well. People hammering on the button multiple times. Uh, yeah. Beep. Like, look, I don't drive, right? But people beep in their fucking car horns. My Christ. It absolutely infuriates me. Mm. I was um, walking up the road that my apartment is on the other day, and um, there was a car that was pulled over slightly onto the curb, had its hazard lights on, and... Another car drove up behind it and beeped 11 times in a row at the car <laughs> that had its hazard lights on. It was doing everything it should have been doing. There was no traffic <laughs> in the other fucking side of the road coming towards this impatient 11 beeper, 11 time beeper. So it's the it's the I'm going to beep my horn. Mo- mostly that's unnecessary unless you're trying to warn somebody of danger. As far as I can work out, mm. that's what it's designed for. Like maybe if somebody was crossing the road and had their back turned to you or something and you were driving or you want somebody to move out of your way. Beeping at something out of impatience is one of the most childish things that anybody can do. Beeping more than once is ridiculous. Beeping 11 times, that person should be locked in prison and the key fucking thrown away. <laughs> do, you th- do they think that the person in the car pulled over slightly onto the curb when there's no traffic coming on the opposing lane. Did I think that person hasn't heard the first beep or the first two beeps or the first nine beeps? Did I think the additional two beeps after the first nine were necessary in order for the person mm. to fucking make their point? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually done that in retaliation when someone has like beeped me loads of times. I've done the beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> Just to annoy them. Yeah, that's that's funny though. Like that's good and creative. Uh, but I just I find beeping is like one of the most childish, angry things. But then I don't drive, so maybe if I did, I would turn into one of those people. And I don't I'm, think so. I think that's a choice. It's it goes back to that patience thing. If you practice patience when you're driving, you won't be one of those people. But if yeah. you if you just like let yourself beep and be an arsehole, then you're going to be an arsehole. Here's another patience quote: To get what you love, you must be patient with what you hate yeah that's probably a good one i don't know Uh, here's another one adopt the pace of nature her secret is patience i I don't know what that's about uh patience makes a woman beautiful in middle age (laughs) (laughs) by elliot paul (laughs) Uh, these are all silly quotes Uh, a moment of patience is a moment of patience in moment of anger saves thousand moments of regret. <laughs> mm. Oh, uh, oh! It's just it's the grammar and the wording of it. There is is uh, not right, but I like mm. the sentiment. Yeah, I get what that's saying. So yeah, you could lose your rag yeah. at somebody at the ATM, and then you could regret that for the rest of your life. Exactly, exactly. I don't really know what this one means, but it'll be the final one. Um, it's from Lee Tolstoy. Whoever they. Oh yeah. Have you heard of him? Leo. I think he's a very famous writer. No, it's actually Leo Tolstoy. It's not like the Russian guy. I think it's just some random guy. Oh, um, but I don't even know if this makes sense. But he says the two most powerful warriors are patience and time. The two most powerful warriors are patience and time. Okay. No idea what that means. 
no, Leo Leo Tolstoy is the Russian writer. Is it? Yeah. Let me go go this. I thought it was another Tolstoy, Tchaikovsky or something. <laughs> Are you thinking of Dostoevsky? Dostoevsky, di- yeah. Different person. All right. Uh, well, okay. Um, you're right. <laughs> Count uh, Lev Tolstoy, usually referred to in English as Leo Tolstoy, was a Russian writer who was regarded as one of the greatest authors of all time. Uh, he received nominations for the Nobel Prize in Literature every year from 1902 to 1906 and for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1901, 1902 and 1909. Did he do Crime and Punishment or something like that? Uh, he's best known for the for the novels War and Peace. War and Peace, okay, sorry, yeah, that's probably... Anna Karenina. Um, and then there's more stuff. If you want to read more about him, go on to his Wikipedia page. Sorry, I just looked up Crime and Punishment where you were saying that. So Crime and Punishment is a novel by the Russian author Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. So there we go. So we're about half wrong and half right. So that's a legitimate quote. Um, We'll leave that one maybe to the listener to work out that the two most powerful warriors are patience and time. Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Feckin' Check-In. We have been Toomey and Trainer. I've never said it like that before, but it's episode 41, so anything goes. Uh, We're in our 40s. Life begins at 41, as the old saying goes. And I have a song of the week to close us out. This is from a solo artist, I think from around 2010, kind of obscure. Um, And I think you can really feel the anger um, from this man's lips pursing out as he has a sort of a, it's a short enough song it's about the media and the title of the song is called Bonnie and Clyde and it's a solo song by Professor T <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde my god I don't even remember how that goes I knew it was going to be about me when you started saying all that stuff there <laughs> did uh, you? Yeah, I did. It was the way you were saying it. I was like, oh, oh it, was, it was slightly unnatural, was it? Yes, it was a bit unnatural. Yeah, it was like um, a, an explanation of uh, who you're going to be on stars in their eyes like, tonight, Matthew. And, and then they start giving little winks and nudges and hints more and more. And then like it's like, oh, it's David Bowie, of course. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So this is a song where you take on the media, and I think a lot of the things you you say in this this verse are still relevant today. Just about the overloading of crassness from the media and the fakeness of it and it's a kind of an angry song about how we're controlled by the media i think it's very good right i just wanted to say that i wasn't expecting i wasn't expecting this (laughs) so but i'll put it in yeah no bother (laughs) god i'm just trying to remember this now i do remember it a bit cringy but um all right yeah only if you're comfortable with it no no come on sure why not that's the rule of the song of the week you can't um no takesies, backsies. No takesies, backsies on the song of the week. So, listener, enjoy. And you say some things and then throw it over to me and then I'll say my final two words. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Feckin' Check-In. We'll see you maybe in two to three weeks' time or something around that time period. And, Toomey, have you got any final words for the listener? Uh, feck off, listener. Standing by a newsstand, I think. Where do I stand on the news? What are my views? What do I welcome and what do I choose to refuse? It's a great day for freedom with liberty and justice for all. The rise and fall of humanity. The small shall crawl for their sins of normality. Take these chains off my sanity once and for all. I need clarity. I see the glorification of a modern day Bonnie and Clyde and there's worse inside. The vacuous musings and various comic asides. The pros and cons of a stranger. A day in the life. I've got a backstage pass through the faces of the tasteless and crass. It's a great day for kings of the class. A question of heaven, question of time and lust and greed. 
feed them is crust I need to tell on my disgust Hope men kill their brothers and choke on the taste of a dust And it's a must, it's must-see TV for you and me What would we be without the sea peephole into the lives of the sleazy and greedy? Believe me, it's easy to criticise But it's a cathartic release for this chewing gum for the eyes So point your french fries to the skies and open fire And burn all the witches and liars and all the guns for hire And all those who aspire just to be remembered as members of yesterday's choir Lord, take me higher and take me away Tell me who's the one in the line of fire today And tell me what can I do to block out this charade I'll create sandcastle with my bucket and spade Then watch them trample on the civilization that I've made While a cosmetic operation will race the front page